Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the M&M Hockey Podcast. We are back after a week off due to midterms and just lack of stuff to talk about overall. Uh, however, we do have a busy week this week between stuff that we may have missed last week and what has gone on so far this week. Um, I guess we should just start off with the topic of the Matheson suspension. Um, at the time of recording this, he's already back playing. He got two two game suspension for hitting uh, Vancouver Canucks rookie Elias P- Pedersen. What were your thoughts on the hit and the suspension itself? Like, it is pretty unnecessary. It's the type of thing that I don't think it's suspended all that often, so... Yeah, like, I think if... I mean, because the, the problem people had with it was they're saying, well, it's not his fault that he... Because that Pedersen's so light. Because if Pedersen was heavier, that injury probably doesn't happen. But I think it is Matheson's fault. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah just body <laughs> Yeah, like, guy. it is a play that happens pretty often in the NHL. Like, I think you do see people get pinned against the boards kind of like that, but they don't fall on their head. And that's what the problem was. If Pedersen would have just fallen on his shoulders or whatever and been fine, just got up and skated away, we would not have seen a second replay of this. No. And that's why I do think, I, I believe when the NHL uh, used their explanation of why they suspended him, I think they did a good job, which is something I'm saying a lot about the Department of Player Safety lately, and it's weird. But uh, they pretty much said that it, it was separated into two plays. So the initial hit was fine, because it was. He just put him against the boards. But then the picking him up off the ice and slamming him into the ground was what the suspension was for. And I I just, like, I'm fine with that. I think that two games is, I don't really see a need to go super high on that. That was, I think, Matheson's first suspension ever. And, I mean, you could tell he wasn't trying to hurt him, but it was a, it was a reckless play. I mean, I think yeah. two, two games is fair. You hope Pedersen can get back soon. Because it does suck seeing him out. He was one of the reasons Vancouver is watchable. But yeah, I feel bad for Canucks fans. They have like one. Well, they have a couple, but Pedersen's the main shining hope for the season. Yeah, and he started off real hot, and so hopefully he can get back soon and uh, catch right back up to where he was. There were some comments in, uh, I think it was from some American article, but I'm not sure where it pretty much said that the only reason this was suspended was because it was in Vancouver on a Canadian market team. Yeah, I saw that, which I find weird because there's a lot of American teams that are way more popular than the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I just, I feel like we would be talking, like, I think being in Canada, I think there's definitely some more talk about it, at least in Canada, but like if this is like a Minnesota Wild player getting his head slammed on the ice, especially like a, a big rookie like that, I mean, yeah, like I feel like we would be talking about it no matter what. Well, I think it's the concussion that got him suspended. Not yeah, for sure. geography of where. Yeah, because like if Patterson were to, just gotten up and yeah. been fine. Even if he hit his head, he probably like we wouldn't be talking about this. I don't think. I don't think there would have been a suspension. No, but I mean, people in Vancouver might have been. But yes, but like a national audience certainly would not have been. Yeah, yeah. It's not some old news, but we figured we should touch on it anyways, just because we've been gone for I don't know about 10, 12 days now. I actually forgot how much of the NHL news cycle is suspension-based. Yeah, it really is. Suspension and signings. And then when you get to mid-season, signings get real dry. But we did have an extension. Um, Alex Tuck re-signed with the... Or signed an extension, I should say, with the Vegas Golden Knights. And that is for... It was what? 4.75? Seven years at 4.75. Um, my original thoughts was this is a lot of money and term to give a guy who I view as a third liner. I don't know about you. Yeah, like, like maybe I don't know. It seems super unnecessary to it, me. Yeah, it really does. Like, like may, maybe they're hoping that he's a bit of a late developer and just 
gets better and keeps going. I mean, he's 22, so he probably still has a year or so to grow, but I don't see where you're needing to invest almost $5 million per year for seven more years into this guy. Yeah, like, I had him as a second liner last year at age 21, which, like, it's impressive enough, but it doesn't scream like someone you need to jump into for seven more years at almost $5 million. Yeah, I mean... Like, there's worse contracts. There, oh, but, certainly, yes. Like, if, you know, like, this contract looks real bad if someone's 30 when you're signing this. Yeah, like... Signing it when he's 22 is at least a little better than that. So, I mean... I just, like, my first, like, my reaction was just, that seems like a lot of term and just general money to give him. Yeah, why was really yeah. what I thought of. He seemed like a perfect candidate for a bridge deal. Mm-hmm. I don't think you, when you're thinking core of the team, is Alex Tuck the guy you think of? I don't, I guess with Vegas it's a little tougher, but, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't consider Alex Tuck the core of the team. Yeah, um. Fun fact, Ryan Reeves is the sixth highest paid forward on the Vegas Golden Knights. Jesus, really? Mm-hmm. Only Cody Eakin, Max Pacioretty, Jonathan Marceau, Riley Smith, and William Carlson more than him. Interesting. That's weird. Anyway, sorry, that was off topic. Yeah, like, I just... Yeah, like, I don't know, his shot rates and stuff are fine. He's like, a fine player. His points rates are fine, but, like... He's, <laughs> yeah, like, the length just confuses me, and I, I feel like it's... The market's kind of weird, especially with the cap growing ever so much. Like, I don't think... Five mil for even a third liner in seven years could be that out of the question as a norm. No, not at um, all. If the cap still keeps going up, but at the same time, like it just it seems weird. Yeah. But like I guess if he can put up second line results again this year, I mean you'll get good value out of him for a little while. Yeah. Just if he can be a second line forward, then Vegas doesn't have a ton else to spend their money on, which is one advantage they have yeah like they're not most teams have like uh so the leafs you can have you know riley and not riley nylander that they're gonna have to pay and then R matthews and marner coming up yeah vegas doesn't really have anything massive coming over the i don't think you're horizon, breaking the bank right? and thomas nosek and uh thomas heike yeah, and they traded Suzuki. Like, yeah, they don't Jake exactly. Bischoff, like oh, yeah, Malcolm like, Subban. You're not. It's not like you're gonna have to be paying twenty million dollars for these guys, like per year. Yeah, they don't have anything ridiculous coming over the horizon. So maybe no. they thought that they could just like if you think he's better than his value currently is, then I guess why not go for a super long term deal? But yeah, I'm not entirely convinced that's the case. Cody Eakin and Eric Hall are probably the biggest two are UFAs, and that's in two years. It's not even the end of this season. Yeah, and you can let Cody Eakin walk. He's yeah. not as good as people think he is. This season, it's Derek England, Brad Hunt, Ryan Carpenter, Pierre Edward Belmar, Oscar Lindbergh. Yeah. Oh, and William Carlson, I guess, is an RFA again. But Oh, and Nate Schmidt as well. Well, Schmidt could actually be a Schmidt, big one. But next year. No, this year. This year. But yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it does, it's just kind of seemed weird, but. Yeah, I don't. And just the timing of it, too. Just kind of. Yeah. Like, like, I don't I don't really know what the rush was to get a deal done in the middle of October when you still have a full year to play. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe they think that he's going to have a breakout season this year and get better. So. I'm also not convinced Vegas has the greatest management. No, I'm still, if you ask me, I still think that they could have handled the um, draft way better. I think they could have taken advantage of teams way more than they did. Um, 
honestly, like I think there was a reasonable situation where you could have probably got four or five first round picks out of the expansion draft, probably. Which sounds crazy, but I mean, you see some of the trades that teams were willing to make, and then you hear the rumors of other ones that Vegas just didn't want to do, and then rather take a player. I just, I don't know. Like, I'm sure, like it, it worked out fine for them in terms of. I don't think anyone's going to complain about going to the Stanley Cup Finals in year one. Obviously not. You cannot complain about that. But, I, yeah, it just seems weird that I, I feel like that was more luck-based than more... Management does deserve some credit in their scouting staff, but because they did hit on a couple guys, like Jonathan Marceau, even if that was more, or William Carlson. Like, they saw at least a, a top-line potential guy in him. But, I mean, I feel like it was a lot more luck than yeah, people want to give him credit for. Yeah, like, they're very up and down. Like, the flurry extension... I don't like it all. We talked about that in the summer, but the Marshatho extension I thought was great. Like the Tatar trade was awful, but I like the Pacioretty trade. Yeah, like I don't have a clear reading on what I think of Vegas, but having Ryan Reeves on your team voluntarily for two more years doesn't seem good. But also facilitating a trade so that the Penguins could get Derek Broussard. Yeah, like and you the piece you wanted was Ryan Reeves. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think I I definitely have some disagreements with their management. Um, yeah, they confuse the hell out of me. They really do. This Paul Stassing is an IR as well, but he's not for three years. Anyways, um, should we move on to the main topic of this then? About 10 minutes in. Yeah, let's do it. So there's been a lot of debate in the past week or so. and It's kind of been creeping up. Yeah, I mean, even last year I think that we talked about it a lot. But the debate is how good of a coach is Mike Babcock. And it's just been all over Twitter. So Mike Babcock, as you know, he has a Stanley Cup under his belt with the Detroit Red Wings. He has coached some very good teams, and he has coached some not-so-great teams. It's it's an interesting debate because he, when you do watch him and, I don't want to say micromanage, but when you do break down what his moves is, he is very stubborn when it comes to players. He is willing to change eventually, but it does take months when it comes to players and systems. Yeah, he is rather stubborn, and something I think Justin Bourne talked about is like if you do want to get him to change his mind, you have to come with obnoxious amounts of evidence which people use as a slight against him, but I think that's kind of a good thing. Like, I'm not sure coaches should be super reactive. Yeah, well, you don't want to overreact to stuff, which we see in the league happens all the time, you know? I think it happens with rookies more, which is a problem, because it's like, oh, this rookie had one bad game, let's demote him to the fourth line. Yeah. But you don't want to be overreactive, but at the same time, like... For example, there was a quote today that said um, that they were changed. That Babcock was talking about how their breakout isn't working, and how he was looking <laughs> at it, and the Leafs were up at the blue line, and he realized that the foot pass wasn't working, or the you know the bank off the glass. And people on Twitter were going, "Well, we've been saying this for months. Like it, it was clear last winter when we were doing this same thing that it wasn't going to work." Yeah, that isn't exactly new. And so it's it's times like that where I feel like I don't know how much evidence you need. He's he's such a strange coach for me because on one hand you do see him like a lot of the teams that he has have been very very good. Um, the Detroit Cup winning teams were awesome. This Leafs team yeah. is stacked, and sometimes he does struggle with um, asset management with those guys and how you utilize them. However, that being said, he's also had some really bad teams. I feel like we forget about the year he brought Vegas or Vegas Detroit to the playoffs without Zetterberg or Datsuk because they were both hurt for the yeah run year. by Nyquist and Tatar yeah or even the tanking Leafs where they had plus 50 possession numbers despite having no shooting talent at all no shooting talent JVR only played half the year they had just traded their best player Bozak was their first line center by a mile Bozak, oh, Kadri Kadri and there, Bozak I guess still but, that's not exactly 
instilling fear in the other team. Mm-mm. Hunwick and Riley were their top pair. Like, yeah. So, like, I don't know. What you have something to say? Like, I don't know. I think I'm significantly higher on Mike Babcock than everyone else seems to be because I don't see very many people defending him. I just kind of see it floated every now and then that people are like, yeah, I, I don't think he's that good. But I completely disagree with that. Why is that? Well, like, so the biggest thing is obviously his roster decisions with, like, Polak and stuff. Like, people really hate that. And as a Leafs fan watching it, it infuriates me too. But if you actually think that's what Mike Babcock makes, what makes Mike Babcock a bad coach, you are clearly not looking at the rest of the league closely enough. Yeah, well, that's definitely the thing. I feel like um, people tend to evaluate Mike Babcock higher because he has paid so much more than a lot of the coaches as well. Yeah. But every coach, I can almost guarantee there's every team that has, whether it's stats, yeah, like stats people, let's just go with that, have one guy at least on every team that goes, why is he playing over player X, you know? like Yeah, like if you want a fun exercise, you can take either Corsica's War, Evolving Wilds War, or you can take my new one that'll be out by the time this gets posted. Take the results and divide them by time on ice, and then compare them with how often each player actually plays in a game, and look at any coach you think's good in the league, and you'll be able to pick them apart. Peter Laviolette, you think he's usually considered great. Well, Craig Smith and Kevin Fiala are fantastic players that played less than Colton Sissons last year. Yeah, like, yeah, there's definitely, I think, criticisms on every roster. I think you can definitely criticize Mike Babcock for some of what he's done. But I do think it is hard as a coach some days. Um, I think it's inexcusable to be playing Leo Komarov more minutes a night than Austin Matthews. But at the same time, when that happened last year, he went, no way that can be true. Yeah. And then he goes, oh, okay, well, I just screwed up. Like, it's just because it is tough. Like, when you got a whole bunch of PK, are you trying to get some momentum back? Tap the guy you're safe going to. I do think that there are some criticisms that are very fair of Mike Babcock, like everyone. Yeah, there certainly are criticisms. Like, I don't think he's even remotely perfect, but I think most of the criticisms apply to literally everyone else. Yes, and I don't know if just maybe he gets criticized, but maybe a more fair argument is he is closer to the pack than people, than some people give him credit for, because other people make it seem like he's not even a top five coach in the league, which I think is absurd. I do too. Like, I just, I don't know how you look at his results and like... Yes, he only has one cup with some really good Detroit teams, but my gosh, is it hard to win the Stanley Cup. And the yeah. team they lost to is the Pittsburgh Penguins in 09. Like, Back when Malkin and Crosby were just going off. Yeah. like I don't know what the opposite of damning with faint praise is, but that is what saying, how does Mike Babcock only have one cup is. Yeah. like, like There's enough randomness in hockey. Like Look at the Washington Capitals. They are one of, if not the best team of the past decade. And they just won it last year. With probably the worst team they've iced in the past decade. Yeah, like, like, winning cups is not a good way to evaluate anyone. No, not at all. And, yeah, like, it's just... And in an 82-game season, I feel like people, including myself, get very wrapped up in what the coach does. Uh, I know personally with Ottawa, it's like, why is Guy Boucher playing Ben Harper 22 minutes for this one game? Yeah. And then sometimes it is just one game. Because I think the thing is, like, as much as I... Forget about it sometimes. I talk about all the time about how I think it is important to rest your star players somewhat throughout the year. I want to see just total rest days where you scratch a star player like they do in basketball. But at the same time, 
it doesn't matter what you do. If you're going to lower their ice time at least for a little in the year, you can do that. That's fine. But it needs to be because you want them healthy for playoffs and not just because you think your fourth-line grinder yeah. is good. I think those minutes need to go somewhere else productive as well. Which I agree. Is the you basically big, need depth. To yes, do which is the big problem with a lot of NHL coaches is even if they are trying to rest their players a little more, instead of giving it to the second or third line guys who could use a little more ice time and try and show what they have, they just give it to the fourth line guys and say, all right, go out, hit, try and shut them down. Let's just try and take a point out of this game. Yeah. Yeah, like I just, I find it, I've been reading a lot on the Mike Babcock stuff lately. I haven't been saying too much because I find it very hard to critique coaching. I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say that. I find it very hard to compare coaching. Coaching yes. is one of those things I think you do need to pay very close attention to. Certainly. To catch the good and the bad. And that's why it's like, I'm not, like, I watch enough Leaf games, and I, I keep up with it, but I'm not going to compare, like, I saw comparisons to Peter Peter Laviolette, oh my god, Laviolette? Yes. The other day, and like, I don't know, like, I'm not going to stop you from making those comparisons, I just don't know if I agree, because I haven't watched him enough. Like, I don't watch, is he in Nashville now? Yeah. yeah. I haven't watched Nashville enough to know. Yeah, right? like, it's so hard to quantify, I would agree that you need to be pretty close to the situation. Like, last year in the playoffs, I saw people, like, fans of other teams, being like, LOL, how the hell does Babcock not even have Matthews on the first power play unit, kind of inferring that he's an idiot from that. Conveniently ignoring the least power first power play unit without Matthews last year was, like, one of, if not the best of the decade in terms of goals four per hour, so, like... Yeah, like, that, that's the kind of situation where you just need to do some research, I think, beforehand, and... It, I'm not saying it has to be all eye test because it certainly doesn't. There are like usage minutes and stuff like that that you can look at, or just basic common sense. Like, but like like last year, it's why are you playing Roman Polak? Yeah. Just in general, or so much, right? Like, or why are you playing Leo Komarov or Matt Martin? Yeah. But you know what? I think something with Babcock is, as you said, with the evidence thing. But he is willing to change, and I think that's the most important thing because. I feel like people don't understand how little it seems like a lot of NHL coaches are willing to change. Yeah. Like, it took Guy Boucher a full year, pretty much, before he started playing any rookies. And this was in a tanking season that the Ottawa Senators had nothing to play for. Yeah. And he was still trying to give guys like Pyatt, like, 20 minutes, or not 20, but 15, 16 minutes a night. He was like, what are you doing? Yeah, Boucher's a great example of that. When I said, um, if you think Babcock's special for being stubborn, you clearly are not looking at the rest of the league closely enough. Exactly. Like, Cody Ceci, for those who don't know, played against tougher quality of competition than Eric Carlson did last year. They used him as a shutdown pairing because that's what they thought worked the year before. It was just Anderson with a huge save percentage while he was on the ice. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... So the one thing I will say, and there's a lot that I like about Mike Babcock. There are... Again, criticism. Legitimate criticisms. But one thing I do like is that he is willing to change. And I think with it seems like him and Dubas do have a good relationship in that Dubas will tell him stuff, and it's not Dubas forcing him to do it, but at the same time, he's convincing him. That, you know, yeah. he's like, look at this, look at this, like, just think about it. And I think Mike Babcock is a very smart guy. I mean, I think there's been a more than one occasion where he's referenced analytics or made note that he does use them mm-hmm. as at least part of what he uses to evaluate talent yeah i know he, like there's no way he doesn't use any sort of numbers yeah well i mean even on the one i think it was the leafs tv series or whatever they post on youtube like you know what that is 
Yeah, so I do know what you're talking about. I yeah, what they're called. on the one shot from that, they had like Corsi on the board for every player from a game or something like that as they were breaking down like goals, ice time, hits, yeah. and then there's Corsi as well. So yeah. like, there's definitely no way they don't use it. But I, I think just Mike Babcock being able to change in general. You saw last year, he loved Matt Martin. He likes him. He's a good character guy. By January, he scratched him. And then he never, like... He never went back because he realized, oh, this is better. And that's so important. It's, it's the same when we say with a GM, the most important part to me about being a GM is realizing when you have a dead asset. Yes. Not trying to just make it work because you made a mistake, but instead saying, okay, I was wrong. I'm going to try and do what I can to make this better. Yeah. And that's important as a coach as well. Agreed. And I think Mike Babcock does do that very well or better than people like to give him credit for. Yes, I agree, because the Leafs last year were a good enough hockey team. Their success was defined by what happened in the playoffs. And in the playoffs, it was Kapanen and Janssen playing, not Komarov playing 21 minutes a night and Matt Martin anchoring the fourth line. Exactly. Yeah. Now, same to the uh, opposite point, Roman Polak was still in. Yes. But it's not as bad as it was earlier. Like, he was willing to improve. Yeah, exactly. Or he made improvements throughout the season. And I think it's some of him willing to be uh, willing to improve, and then it's also some of him maybe just, you know, like, because you can't know everything unless you're part of the team, which makes it hard to analyze, obviously. But, like, it's a fact, I'm pretty sure, that the players don't go hard for 82 games a season because it's just way too many. Like, so it's the same with the coaching idea. Like, I'm trying to, like... In the middle of the season, Babcock pretty much said, okay, we're going to try and start playing defensively. And the Leafs started playing worse, and they started losing a little bit. But because yep. he wanted to try and get them playing a different way or testing it out. And I don't know if I agree with playing a different way, but I have no problem with when you were in the Leafs position last year where they were locked in the third place from pretty much November all the way until the end of the year. It's okay to try some new things. Try it then. So Or like give your guys rest. Try new things. Try yeah. your older guys. Don't be doing that in the playoffs, which is good. Which is exactly what he did. Exactly. And I understand why Leafs fans were frustrated because that stretch will likely go down as the worst Leafs hockey of the next 10 years. Yeah. Like, it was horrible. It was really bad. But if there's a time, like the Leafs clearly struggle, if I'm being polite defensively, and if there's a time to try to fix that, you would think it would be when you're locked into third place in the Atlantic by December, November. Exactly. And like with him, it's like... Because it's one of those things where, and you've touched on this a couple times on the podcast, it's not that the Leafs have bad defense, needless to say. Like, they don't have awful defense. The team is, as a whole is awful defensively. Yeah. And so that's the kind of thing that a coach, a system does need to fix. It's not just personnel. A system does need to work on that. It is a little bit personnel because the guys are more high offense, high tempo focused. But at the same time, a better system can help fix that. Yeah. Which is, I think, what he was trying to implement. Yeah, and it didn't work. No. They didn't stick with it. Exactly. So. Yeah, like, I, and I mean, I will say, even in the in the Boston Bruins series, it was annoying, just in terms from watching or wanting a skill-wise, watching the defenseman just flick the puck out to center ice every yeah. time. Um, I really do hope that changes this year. That happened a lot from the right side when they couldn't get the puck to the left side, which is probably just going to be a fact in Leafland for a long time that the right side is going, like, yeah. no matter what coach you have, what system you have, the right side is not going to be making beautiful possession exits. Yeah, and I mean, you want a little bit better than what they had last year. But yes. I, and that's, I think, where getting a, a second-pair guy, like Pissick or something like that, would help, because it would bump Ron Hainsey down the lineup. 
You don't you don't even have Polak in the lineup in general this year, so that's a plus. Yeah. And then Zaitsev can be Zaitsev, you know? Like I think Zaitsev was probably the best out of the three off the top of my head. Yeah. Which probably. isn't saying much, but at the same time, like I don't know, like they gotta do something about Ron Hainsey, I think, and I hope Badcock does realize that. They're playing uh Riley and Gardner together on the top pair to end the last game. I don't know if that's a trend that's going to continue because they were losing, but I don't know. I'd be is, excited. I would like that. Would that make me very happy. Or Dermot on the right side, I think, would be I'll interesting. Up, yeah. I think that would really make a case to keep Gardner as well if you could play Dermot or Gardner on the right side. Agreed, because Gardner and Zaitsev do not work. No. At all. And I don't know how much of that is Gardner or how much is that Zaitsev or just them mixing, but... I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's mainly Zaitsev and partially a chemistry thing. Yeah. Like, I just, I like Gardner a lot. I took some heat on the article. I wrote an article on Nylander, and I talked about the defense. I said, oh, the left side was one of the best with Gardner, Riley, and Dermot. And people were like, yeah, Gardner and Riley. Yeah, right. I was like, what? <sighs> okay. I was a Riley one got thrown in there. I was really surprised. Yeah, that's, I think people are generally higher on Riley than even they should be. Yeah, like, I just, I don't know. Weird. Um, do you have anything else on Babcock? Um, yeah, uh, I guess I could just throw this in. I included this at the end of my last war thing. And uh, something Dawson Spriggings, or Don't Tell Me About Hart, talked about back when he was public and talking about his uh, war model, is that they would try to control, or he would try to control for quality of coach instead of quality of teammate for his model because he found that was more helpful. And if you look at quality of coach, which is really hard to evaluate, but one of the ways I did it was with uh, just looking at game score. And every single member of the Leafs core got significantly better, or maybe not significantly, but they all improved when Mike Babcock took over relative to before Babcock. And most of these guys were not young. Yeah, like, well, yeah, even in the, the, the tanking year, you could see... Night and day, the improvement on some people like Kadri's game. Yeah, Kadri, like, JVR, Bozak, Gardner, Riley, and Fanoff all got better. And Riley and maybe Kadri are the only ones where age would be. Well, not, I don't even know if I'd say Kadri. Yeah, like how old is he now? Twenty six. Yeah, like so he would have been. I guess he would like have been it could be. It very well could have been yeah. age, but Riley for sure. But I think coaching definitely helps. I I just. Yeah, no, I think the talk of some people who think he's so overrated that he's not even a top five coach is insane. Yeah. I think if you want to make the argument that he's at least closer to every or the top couple people than I think some other people give him credit for, I think that's also kind of fair. I don't think he's miles and miles ahead of everyone else. Yeah, I agree he's probably not miles ahead of everyone else. I think you could easily make the argument that he would be first. Yeah, if you wanted to say he's third or something, yeah. still, I wouldn't have... Because the, the top that, of the NHL is very good when it comes to coaching. Yeah. But, and, and part of that is sometimes just having a really good team. I mean, a lot of the good coaches do find ways to get good teams. And some of that is by themselves, but other times it's just roster construction as well. Which Yeah, you, well, you need a good yeah, team. Yeah, you're not going to be a good coach by having the 14, 15 Toronto Maple Leafs on your team every year. Yeah, like you're never 15, winning 16, with that team. Yeah, like, it's just it's not going to happen. Uh, what time are we at? Uh, 30 minutes. Do you want to do a quick game? Sure. Hey, right. We did not plan this, so this should be fun. I'm going to go through the standings and say where everyone is. You're going to tell me how much or if you think they're going to finish higher or lower at the end of the season. Oh, God. Carolina, first in the Metro. <laughs> lower. How much? Um, I'll, God, I don't know. I'm sure they'll miss the playoffs because they have a fantastic <laughs> Corsi right now, but 
Um, I don't know. I'll say fourth in the Metro is where they end. New Jersey, second in the Metro, higher or lower? Uh, that's tough. Their like, expected goals and stuff is actually really good right now, but I'm going to go lower. I don't think their roster can, is that strong. Pittsburgh, third in the Metro, higher or lower? Higher. All right. Pittsburgh will win the division. Uh, Toronto, first in the Atlantic, higher or lower? Probably say lower. Tampa, second, higher or lower? Higher. They're stacked, and they're crushing it at even strength right now. Montreal, third. Lower. Yeah. Boston, first wild card, higher or lower? Higher. Buffalo, second wild card, higher or lower, same. Well, I guess I, I should add that we could have same in there as well. I'm going with lower. Have you seen Casey Middlestad's numbers? <laughs> yeah, he has not been good to start the season. I mean, it is a small sample size, but my word. I would agree with Buffalo. Ottawa, one, one point out of a, a wild card spot. Oh, lower. Actually, who's below? Columbus. Oh, God. Washington, Philly, New York, Florida Rangers. Ottawa's got the highest shooting percentage in the league by about 3%, I think, right now. So That sounds sustainable. <laughs> I'm ready for that to come crashing down. Uh, Columbus. I guess, what are we at? 10th in the East. Go higher. Washington, 11th? Uh, I'm pretty sure Washington's getting crushed at even strength right now, but i got to go higher. How much higher? What are they? They're 11th. So they're three spots out of a wild card. Three or four spots higher. All right. Philadelphia, 12th? Higher. How much? I think they could finish 8th. I think I might have just said five Metro teams are in the playoffs. And I'm about I think to say so, Ford is going to be in the playoffs. So Islanders, higher or lower than 13th in the East? Probably lower. Florida, 14th? Higher, for sure. The Rangers, 15th? Uh, right. Plus or minus one spot. Yeah. Detroit, 16th. That sounds about right. I <laughs> can keep them right there. Yeah. My word, have they been bad. Now, let's switch to the West real quick. Nashville, first in the Central. I could see Winnipeg taking first, but I'll say same. Colorado, second? Lower. How much? I don't think Colorado's going to make the playoffs. Winnipeg, third. Go one spot higher, possibly two. Anaheim, first in the Pacific. Um, This is one... Team so we, we can talk about this for a yeah, little bit. Because we both had them as first in the Pacific, and uh, that's not looking so good so far. Well, it is because of John Gibson, but well, if, <laughs> if you look past that, it is not looking so good at all. Their shot differential per hour is negative 25. <laughs> they they were giving up, like, I think it was, what? So that would, that would make it, I guess, just 25 divided by 3 for per period. It was something insane <laughs> per period. Like, I couldn't believe I was just like, oh, my word. John Gibson's stats would already, like, his goal saved above average if the season ended today. He would be, like, a top 15 or 10 goalie in the league last year. Mm-hmm. He's been that good in, like, what, yeah. nine games? Eight yep, games? Nine, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe he hasn't started all nine. Well. Probably not. But yeah, um, they're getting shelled, so maybe we'll be very wrong about them. Yeah, I mean, they are injured. They had, like, literally almost every good player you could mention on the IR at one point. Mm-hmm. And I think they still have a couple of good guys there now. I took Kasha on both my fantasy teams, and he's on IR. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, I mean, they are playing Randy Carlisle hockey. I mean, the team is... They're at a severe disadvantage when it comes to coaching. They're the exact yeah. opposite of the Toronto Maple Leafs. True. When speaking. it comes to coaching. <laughs> Very true. Um, yeah, I don't Do you have anything to say about Anaheim other than that? No, I'm just prepared to be wrong about our preseason prediction about them. Me too. Here's one that could probably say the same. Calgary, second in the Pacific. Higher, lower, same. I'm going to go with higher and say they win the Pacific. Ooh, I can see it. I'm going to say same. I'm going to go Anaheim, Calgary. John That's Gibson's riding this wave, baby. That's a reasonable top two. The now Elias Pettersson-less Vancouver Canucks. Oh, lower. How many spots do you think? 
Uh, where are they? They are third in the Pacific right now. Do you think they fall all the way down? Oh, I can just say they come like 11th or 12th in the West. Okay. Chicago, right. first wild card. Uh, lower unless Crawford goes scorched earth. Yeah, Crawford looked pretty good apparently in his return. Cam Ward played last night, and the Tampa Bay Lightning took 33 shots on him in one period. One period. <laughs> yeah, it was a franchise record. Yeah, it was a league record. Well, that's pretty cool. I yeah. Think. Yeah, they, uh, Chicago actually controlled the puck pretty well last year, so if they do get a league goaltending, they probably won't be as bad as people think, but I don't know if they're still playoff good. Dave has been on a scoring has been a scoring machine to start this year. Yeah. Yoko Harju's been good. Mm-hmm. Minnesota Wild, second wild card. Oh, that sounds about right. Maybe they'll be a little higher, but... Yeah, I could see that. It's pretty reasonable. San Jose Sharks, ninth in the West. Higher. Definitely higher. Vegas, 10th in the West. That's tough. Uh, I'll go higher. I could see Vegas staying right there, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I only think they'll move up a spot or two. Like. Yeah. San Jose has been one team who... They're now 4-3-1, so they've bounced back at least. But they started the year, I think it was like 0-3-1 or 1-3-1. Mm-hmm. But they had really good possession stats to start. They are make they're breaking the like extending the axes on Sean Tierney's charts. Yeah, like they've been very good. It's just gonna goaltending's still a little bit of a, a scare, I think, for me. But in terms of just pl- outplaying teams, it's gonna the wins are really gonna start coming. Yeah, they're gonna happen eventually. I could they're in the Pacific, right? Yeah, yeah. I could see them. I guess taking it too. Yeah, them or Calgary would be my pick. Yeah, especially if Anaheim keeps playing or has the injury struggles like this. Yeah, because we did our Pacific preview pre-Carlson trade. Yeah, as soon as we published it, Carlson got <laughs> traded two days later. Like, nice. Or maybe a day. It was yeah, bad. It was pretty re- Yeah, It was like a day after, I'm pretty sure. But Dylan DeMello, they lost him. Mm. Go for Norris this year. True. <laughs> Top defenseman in the league is in terms of uh, war right now, Dylan DeMello. Uh, Edmonton. And what are they? Eleventh in the West. That that this is a tough one, eh? I want to say the over, but I don't know. It wouldn't shock me if they finished the season right around there. I wouldn't me either. I'm gonna say stays. <laughs> Connor McDavid's ice time is like pushing top ten in like. He played the past like twenty five minutes years. the other night. I was like, that's insane. That's a, a lot for a number one defenseman, let alone a centerman. Yeah, he's averaging twenty three minutes a night or something right now, which that's not gonna fact keep up. Check this quick is a full minute and a half more than anyone played last year. Yeah, Dallas. Uh, they are twelfth in the West. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say improved. Yeah, up a bit. I'm not as high on Dallas. As I don't know if they're a for sure playoff team, but I think they, they're they should be. They're probably 12 in the West. This bad. is an interesting one. St. Louis. Up, up, up. They've played bad this year, haven't <laughs> they? Like, they've been awful. That's uh, fine. They're, if I remember correctly. They're pretty much break even. Uh, they're a little bit negative in shot. Okay, maybe, maybe it's gotten bad. I know the first four or five games were, wow, they were bad. I was too high on them in the offseason for them to not get better. Yeah, like I, I definitely don't think they'll stay here, but yeah, they, they've really surprised me. I know it's only seven games, but they have really surprised me coming out of the gate, just how bad they've looked. Yeah, they have not looked great. They uh, did beat the Leafs, I guess. Yeah, L.A., second last in the West. Screw it, I'm saying down. <laughs> I'll go that way. Last place in the list. Last. Um, my uh, new war model will probably be out at some like by the time this is released. The target variable for everything is for every player's results are next season's goals for, and I have LA as one of 
the worst teams in the league last year, which would probably help support the theory that they're going to be garbage this year. Yeah, so. I unless Quick just kills it. That's about it. Yeah, and I could really see saving them. I'll say stay. Arizona last in the West. They got to get better. I think so too. I mean, even in their past, they're struggling to score right now, which is a huge problem. But their shot and expected goal differentials are very good. Yeah, they were missing. They're still missing Chichern. They're missing Galchenyuk. So those two guys in the lineup should make a big impact when yeah. they get back. Especially Galchenyuk, just because he can actually put the puck in the back of the net. Yeah, and then Chichern will knock Golgowski down to the third pair, and then you have three real good pairs. So, yeah, I, I would definitely say up as well. And um, I love Ranta. Yeah, Ranta's played well this year, relatively well, I'm pretty sure, anyways. Um, I, I don't see how they don't go up a little bit, at least. It's going to be so disappointing if they get another lottery year. Maybe Jack Hughes can save them. Yeah, I, I, I think they should go up. But yeah, they. I doubt they'll be dead last in the West. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, all we got today. Uh, thanks for joining. As always, uh, you can find my work at lastwordonhockey.com. I've actually been posting a little more lately. <laughs> I had a Nylander article out the other day. I did a Demello article out last week. Uh, you can find Chase's work and his new stat at. What is it? Hockey and stuff. www.hockeyandstuff.weebly.com. <laughs> I don't even know what it's called. I think it's that. It's just stats and stuff across the top of the page. Yeah, pinned. I don't even know. I guess I have pinned probably. All right. It'll be pinned on my profile. Yeah, it's hockey and stuff. That's what I thought. Yeah, hockey and stuff. Um, an easy way to find all of our work is going to me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff and Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Have a good week, guys, and we should be back next week with another episode.